Mark chapter 14, Jesus had just finished praying with his apostles in a special place called Gethsemane in the city of Jerusalem. When in Mark 14 and verse 43 we read, Immediately while he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And they laid hands on him and seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus said to them, Have you come out? as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me. Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. And they all left him and fled. And a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they seized him, and he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. Everything about how the Jewish authorities seized Jesus, how they finally, after plotting for so long, had him arrested, is messed up. The way they did it in the dead of night, the way that they did it out of the public eye, trusting that there'd be an uproar from the people if this well-regarded preacher, teacher, miracle worker had been arrested as he taught day after day in broad daylight in the temple. And the way that they ultimately went about it was just so incredibly wrong. Bribing one of his inner circles, one of his 12 apostles, Judas Iscariot, to betray him. And the fact that Judas did it, not just to betray Jesus, but to betray him in such an intensely personal way, to lead this band to a place that had been special to Jesus and his apostles a place where they'd often go to pray together any time they'd visited Jerusalem. To lead him there, having heard from Jesus' own lips this sorrow and anticipation for what was to come that night. To lead them there, pointing Jesus out to them at a time where there wasn't any ambient light. All they had was the light of the stars in the sky. So they needed somebody to point out who Jesus was. So not only did he facilitate that role, but he did so by respectfully acknowledging him as teacher, by affectionately greeting him with a kiss. Of all the ways that he could have done it, even up through his betrayal, Judas still pretended to be a friend of Jesus. He used his relationship, his friendship with Jesus to betray him, to further his own ends, while at the same time warning the people from the Jewish leaders to be ready to put him under guard because Jesus did have power. Jesus did command respect. Jesus' followers did consider him to be Messiah, King. So he wanted them to be ready to haul him off, to keep him under control. So much evil, so much wickedness, so much betrayal, so much underhanded dealings, here, when the Jewish leaders could have arrested Jesus any given day as he was in broad daylight in the temple where anybody standing there could have said, oh yeah, that's Jesus. 
Instead, they do it this way. On the evening of the celebration of their most important holiday, in a private, personal place to Jesus, leveraging one of his closest relationships to get what they want. Everything about it was wrong. Yet even when some of Jesus' own followers were ready to rise up and fight, Jesus didn't. He certainly could have allowed his followers to try to fight back. It would have been a losing battle, but he could have let them try. He certainly could have used that great power that God gave him as his son to just instantly blind or smite or otherwise punish and bring judgment on those trying to arrest him. They were certainly wicked enough. Their actions were certainly wrong enough. Yet, Jesus endured our sin. He endured the wrong of humanity. He met us right in the middle of it, trusting that even though the motives of everyone there was wrong, even though the actions of everyone there was sinful, that God would work through him in that moment to ultimately redeem all of it for good. That their actions, born of such great evil, would actually serve to fulfill the scriptures. That's true in all sorts of smaller senses, as the Holy Spirit would ultimately make clear to these apostles as they preached in the months and years to follow that there were details from the Hebrew scriptures, from the Psalms, the prophets, and even the law, that the way Jesus was betrayed, that the way that he was arrested and tried and ultimately crucified, fulfilled in uncanny detail. But there's also the overarching story of the scriptures, that from almost the beginning, mankind has been sinful. We do things that just aren't right, yet God doesn't give up on us. God loves us and still wants to rescue us, choosing to meet us in the middle of our own mess to give us away. That's what Jesus saw he was doing that evening. Rather than letting his disciples try to fight their way out, rather than using his power to punish all those there, he entrusted himself to God so that even though everyone around him was wrong, even though everyone around him was mistreating him, he wanted God's will to be done. He wanted the scriptures to be fulfilled. He wanted to make a way to rescue even the people there at that moment that were condemning him. Even the people there at that moment who were fleeing from him. And at the same token, while we see these amazing theological implications for what's depicted here in Mark's gospel, we also get reminded that these are real people. And we see that with a detail that Mark alone includes in his gospel when he mentions that issue of the young man in the linen cloth who ran away naked. None of the other gospel writers include that little tidbit. And it is certainly curious, to say the least. But some Bible scholars wonder if Mark might not have been describing his own personal role in this scene. We know from the New Testament book of Acts that Mark was a young man in Jerusalem, in the early years of the church. Is it possible that maybe he was there as this was happening? That he had tried to follow Jesus before he too was forced to run away in shame and fear when they tried to seize him, wanting to follow Jesus but not yet being ready to go all the way. Certainly, 
could have been. And there's a lesson for us as we glimpse this, as we see real people with good intentions but hobbled by fear, when we see people with bad intentions acting wickedly, that Jesus still endured for all of us, that there was a purpose that God had, that God wanted fulfilled, that he prioritized, even though it meant his own arrest, even though it meant his own suffering, because that's who Jesus is, and that's how much he really loves us.